You are listening to the Renovation Student Ministry Podcast. For more information on RSN, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our student pastor, Gabe Pecoraro. We're going to continue our series in the book of John. We are in chapter 5 tonight. We're going to be in verses 1 through 15. And I am super, super excited. Um, I don't want us to waste any sort of time. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and start reading the verses. We're reading verses 1 through 15 out of the New International Version, the NIV translation. And this is what it says. It says, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me get into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath, the law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who made him well. So let me set the scene here, right? We just read the first 15 verses of John chapter five and we see that Jesus comes into Jerusalem for a festival. And we do not know exactly what festival that Jesus came into Jerusalem for, but the majority of people would believe it's probably one of the biggest three festivals that the Jewish people celebrate. Those three festivals are Passover, Purim, and Pentecost. And so it was probably one of those three, those three festivals. And the Jewish people would all come to the city of Jerusalem and make pilgrimage there. And so there was a ton of people coming in. And we see that Jesus comes in. He goes to this place called the Sheep Gate, which is near the temple. And it is on the east side of it. And there's a, there's a pool there and it's called Bethesda right? There's this pool and there's these five covered colonnades. Does anybody have any idea of what a colonnade is? Yes, right here. That's like a porch. Yeah, that's exactly right. That is perfect. So there's these five porches that have some covering. So you've got some shade, right? That's where Jesus is. And we see that at this pool, there is something that happens and there's a lot of people who have some sort of physical disability. They may not be able to walk. Maybe they can't see, something like that, right? And in verse six, the man says this, or sorry, in verse seven, he says, sir, I have no one to help me get into the pool when the water is stirred. Well, I'm trying to get in. Someone else goes down ahead of me. So he says this, But then if you look very closely at your Bibles, in certain translations, maybe the New International Version, um, the English Standard Version, the ESV, several other translations, there's this weird point 
where between verses three and five, you see that there's a number four, but there's no verse there. And what it is, is that the earliest and the best manuscripts that we have don't include verse four in them. But I wanna give you guys the entire picture. I'm gonna read verse four, but I want you guys to recognize that the earliest, uh, the earliest copies of the Bible, the book of John that we have, don't have this. And then we're gonna talk about it. So in the New King James Version, this is what verse four says. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. So we do not know exactly if this is some sort of legend or if this is some sort of something that actually happened. If it is something that actually happened, it would not be the first time in the history of Bible that there was some sort of unusual thing that happened that healed people. In the book of 2 Kings chapter four, people were healed by a purified pot of stew. Anybody ever had stew so good that it healed your disease? In 2 Kings 5, this man named Naaman was healed by washing in the Jordan River. In Acts chapter five, we see that some people were healed when Peter, do y'all remember Peter? What did Peter do when Jesus was about to get crucified? He denied him, right? So the guy who denied Jesus would later go on to be a prolific early church father, an apostle, and what happened? In Acts chapter five, when his shadow fell on people, they were healed. How crazy is that? He was walking by them and they were getting healed. That's like another level of crop dust. That's crazy. And then in Acts chapter 19, this is the craziest one to me. Paul, his sneeze rag, what's the, uh, what's the like English term or for a Kleenex? Handkerchief, right? If his handkerchief touched somebody, it healed them. Could you imagine that somebody's snot touches your broken arm and all of a sudden your broken arm is good? That's crazy, right? So it wouldn't be the first time in scripture that an unusual thing happened and people were healed by it. Either way, verse four isn't in the earliest manuscripts. We don't know if an angel came in and stirred the water and then people got in, the first person to get in was totally healed of whatever was happening. What we know is that the man says he's there and he can't get in first when the water's stirred. He wants to be healed. He can't be healed because he's lame. He can't walk, okay? So that's our scene here. And this is the first thing I want you to recognize is that point one is Jesus knows. You see, Jesus traveled into Jerusalem he goes to this pool where all these people meet, all these people with physical disabilities are there trying to get into the water. And verses five and six say this, one who was there, who had been an invalid for 38 years when Jesus saw him lying there and learned he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you wanna get well? You see, Jesus didn't have to be told that this man couldn't walk. Jesus didn't have to have this man's friend update him that it had been 38 years since Johnny had taken his last step. Jesus knew. And what we need to learn from this is there is no misery, there is no hard thing in your life that goes unnoticed by God. 
the things that you are walking through right now, however big or small that they are, whether it's that you're having a hard time in school or your parents are going through a divorce, whether it's you have a, a, a rough time with your friend group, whether it's that you don't even know if you're gonna make the team that you tried out for. There is no hard thing that goes unnoticed by God and God cares for you. And Jesus came to this man, he already knew where he was at. And this is what I found. Jesus knows us, Jesus knows our thoughts, Jesus knows all that, right? But I think a lot of times we think Jesus is kind of like an iPhone. What do I mean there, okay? So this iPhone right here is an iPhone 14. Is this the best iPhone anymore? It's not, is it? It's an emphatic it's not, right? Not a, no. Why? Because why? Talk to me, y'all. The iPhone 15 came out recently, right? And here's the thing. Literally six months ago, I could have looked at all y'all and say I'm way better than you because I got the best phone out on the market. And on September 22nd, on the official release date of the iPhone 15, all y'all iPhone 15 people can look down at me and say, you stink because you got a 14, that's ancient stuff. That's an old dusty fart compared to my iPhone 15, right? That's exactly what is happening now. I think a lot of times we get really, really, really amped up. We get excited from a winter retreat or from a beach camp. We get excited because we're doing something special and, and we have this worship night moment and we encounter God and then it just dies off and we have to wait for the next big thing and then it just dies off and we have to wait for the next big thing and what I have learned in my life is God isn't like that because God is consistent. God doesn't go anywhere. God cares about the hard things that are going on in my life. And the more that I seek him, the more that I find him. The more that I come to God and ask him to be a friend, the more friend I get. The more time I spend in scripture, the more I grow to love God. Why? Because he's perfect. And it's not like food where you eat a bunch and you eat a bunch and you eat a bunch and then you gotta get it out of your face again because it's gonna make you sick. You see, the more that you actually spend time in God's presence, the more that you actually taste and see that his word and his ways are good and perfect, the more of him that you actually want. And so with these two truths, God knows already what's going on in your life. We need to actually just begin to grow in relationship with him and trust him. My challenge to you with this first point is, what in your life does God already know is happening that you're trying to hide from him? What's the hard thing that you're not bringing to God? He already knows. What's the hard thing that you're not surrendering over? And how can you tonight begin to give that over to God and ask for help and community and accountability in your small groups? So recognize that Jesus knows. The next thing is that Jesus cares. Verse seven, we'll continue the story, right? Jesus knows that he has been lame, can't walk for 38 years. He can't get there. And he asks him, well, do you wanna get well? And in verse seven, the man says, sir, 
I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred while I'm trying to get in. Someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Again, Jesus chose to go to this pool, right? And Jesus was in a crowd of a bunch of people who needed some sort of help. And Jesus gets to this man who has been lame. He can't walk for 38 years. And he asks him, do you wanna get well? You see, because a lot of us have been dealing with some sort of problem in our life and we've just decided that that's that. We can't get any better from it. And so he actually asks the man, do you actually wanna get well? And the man doesn't say yes or no. He responds with the problem. Nobody brings me into the water when the water is stirred. You see, the man wanted help, but the man couldn't get it without Jesus. And at that point, Jesus is moved by compassion, by care for this man. Jesus didn't, or, or the man didn't say he wanted to get well. The man didn't say he didn't wanna get well. But Jesus knew that he hadn't been able to walk for 38 years. Jesus knew that he probably couldn't get up and run around and play with the people that he loves or, or have fun with them. He couldn't walk to the nearest place. He probably couldn't get a lot of jobs. Jesus knew that stuff. And what we see is we serve a God who's moved by compassion, by care for people. A lot of times in our life, we're let down because we have friends or family who when things are going well are really, really close. And the minute it gets hard, the minute that you need some help, they dip out, right? Jesus isn't like that. Not only does Jesus know our problem, Jesus cares about our problem. And so what's Jesus do? He offers him a solution. He says, trust me, just get up. I know you actually cannot walk. So I know I'm telling you something you can't do, but get up. And what's the man do? He gets up, right? And he picks up his mat and he walks. But you see, this situation is a little bit more complicated than him picking up his mat and walking because Jesus healed this man on a certain day. What day was that, y'all? The Sabbath. And what is the Sabbath? Do y'all know? The day of rest, right. The Sabbath comes from this Hebrew word known as Shabbat, which means day of rest. And all throughout scripture, we see this principle. It starts at the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter one, Genesis chapter two. And we see God created the heavens and the earth. How long did it take him to make the heavens and the earth? How many days? Six days. What did he do on the seventh? He rested, right? We see this principle of Sabbath. We see this principle of work for six, rest on the seventh. And then in Exodus chapter 20, we see this principle is actually made a law when in the 10 commandments, we see that we are to honor the Sabbath, to keep it holy. And this is what it says in Exodus chapter 20. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. And that's in the 10 commandments. And we see the Jewish people, the people of God respect that. But then what happens? Do you guys remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about the Pharisees. We had an example where I won thumb war because I had to add a bunch of rules because Dante is stronger than me and his right thumb or whatever. And do y'all remember that? 
And we use it to describe what, what people? Do y'all remember? The Pharisees, right? And we see that they were Jewish religious leaders. They were rabbis or teachers. And what did they do? They added a bunch of rules. And it was impossible to follow all those rules, right? Well, we see the same thing happened with the Sabbath. The Pharisees, the Jewish religious leaders added a bunch of rules. It was simple. No work on the seventh day. Work really, really, really hard for six. Rest on the seventh. Give it to God. Seek the Lord. Chill out with the work and the Lord will bless it. Well, they started adding a bunch of rules. I'll give you an extent of how bad these rules got, okay? So let's say that it is the Sabbath day and I'm chilling on my couch watching TV. I just had a wonderful quiet time, ate some good food with my family. I'm, ch- I'm watching TV and I'm trying to get me a Coke Zero because we know that that's the Lord's drink, amen. And so I stand up, I got my sweatshirt on and I walk to the refrigerator and I open that thing up and I get me a Coke Zero and I sit back down and I Sabbath it out. Was there anything wrong with that? Was there? Okay, so, okay, let's try it this way. First off, my refrigerator has electricity. Can't turn electricity on on the Sabbath. See, second off, in my sweatshirt, you see the day before I had a fray in it. And so because I'm a master sewer, I sewed it back, but I accidentally left the needle in my sweatshirt front pocket. And you see on the Sabbath, you can't carry a needle in your robe because that's work. Are y'all confused? That was legit. That is a legit thing. No needle in the robe because that's work. There was actually an article that came out, I believe it was in 1992, because there's a lot of, of, of they're called Orthodox Jewish people. They follow a lot of the, um, the Levitical law that we see in scripture. And there was a fire and they actually called their rabbi and asked if it would be work to call the fire department for the fire department to come and put out the fire. And believe it or not, there was actually, I believe it was three people who actually died in the fire because the fire department didn't come in time. So it's really, really terribly sad story of what happens when God gave us a good thing and then we try to add to it. And that's what happened. Because what happened was this man literally was healed. For 38 years, he could not walk and Jesus miraculously healed him. He could walk again. And what were the Pharisees concerned with? Who healed him on the Sabbath? They weren't concerned with the fact that for 38 years, this man literally could not walk and he was miraculously healed. They were concerned who broke the Sabbath. Where the healed man saw that Jesus cared for him, saw him and healed him. The religious leaders didn't see that. They saw that Jesus broke the Sabbath. And so you see, Jesus cares enough to make things complicated sometimes. You see, following Jesus is gonna upset the norm of our life. 
Loving other people oftentimes is gonna make things inconvenient. Jesus had to flee from the crowds who wanted to be healed. He had to deal with persecution, eventually being nailed to a cross because these people were tired of him breaking their traditions. And why did he do it? Because he cared. So what I want you guys to realize is that Jesus knows what's going on. Jesus cares about what's going on in your life. And sometimes it means upsetting traditions. But also, I think we have something to learn from this. There are so many times that there's people around us with needs that we could actually help, but because it's inconvenient, we make excuses to not do it. I'll give you a good example. I can't tell you how many times when I was growing up, I had friends that were moving that I could have helped move some boxes and get them in a truck, but I had to magically figure out something to do that Saturday so I didn't have to go. Or I can't tell you how many times when I was growing up, there were times that people needed prayer and I told them that I would pray for them, but because that would require some extra time out of my day, I forgot. How many of you guys could be shoulders to cry on, be extra hands when it comes to moving? How many of you guys could actually help your grandma and not figure out something to do, but because it's inconvenient, you don't do it? You see, because there's probably a lot of people in this room who know about the issue, but don't care about the issue to do something about it. But I'm thankful that Jesus isn't like that. And as the people of God, we need to live with fruit of the spirit, with love towards other people, sacrificial love. So Jesus knows and Jesus cares. The last thing is that Jesus calls in verse 14, it says, later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. So Jesus left the crowd, came back and found the man. It was the Sabbath day and he talked to him and he says, stop sinning. This is, I'm gonna get straight to the point here. Jesus healed this man's legs to get to his heart. Because at the end of the day, I hope I've driven this point home like a bunch of times throughout this series. I hope you guys realize we are desperately in need of a savior. And that savior is Jesus. And what are we? We are spiritual beings with a physical body. Remember we talked about that several weeks ago. If you have not listened, go back, listen to the podcast. We are spiritual beings. Our heart, our spirit will live forever. These bodies, this skin right now is gonna get old one day, is gonna get saggy one day, right? And eventually is gonna be in the dirt. That's the facts. Our spirit will live forever. And without Jesus, we are going to eternally be separated from God. And what Jesus is telling this man is way worse than you being 38 years a cripple is a life of sin and the consequences of sin. So stop sinning, start following me. That's what I want you guys to recognize. A truth that Pastor Jeremy has said so many times from stage that I hold near and dear to my heart and try to remember is God doesn't always lead with what he provides. Sometimes God leads with what he withholds. And what do I mean by that? Jesus healed that man to get to that man's heart. But there was a multitude of people around him who were lame or deaf or blind who were not healed that day. 
And it is not God's will always to heal. It is not. But what I want you guys to realize is greater than any physical healing is the new heart that we are given when we choose to believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Greater than any physical healing. And what can I tell you? I can tell you to pray boldly to God for healing, for physical healing. But even if he doesn't do it, we have a hope that's greater than that. And we have a hope that one day our bodies are gonna be restored and there's not gonna be no pain or no anything. There's a wonderful lady and her name is Fanny Crosby. She lived in, I think it was like 1820 to 1914, something like that. Um, And she, when she was six weeks old, she had a medical procedure go sideways that blinded her. And for the rest of her life, she was blind. She couldn't see. And Fanny Crosby would grow up, Braille was being um, invented at the time and she didn't actually learn Braille at that time. She heard Bible stories and great books and poetry read to her by her grandma and her mom. And she refused to get down at the fact that she couldn't see. You see, Fanny Crosby would actually go on to write thousands of hymns. When I say thousands, I mean thousands. Thousands of songs of praise to God. And she says one of the most beautiful things that I have ever written before, or or ever seen written before. And this is what it says. If I had a choice, I would still choose to remain blind. For when I die, the first face I will ever see will be the face of my blessed Savior. You see, Fanny Crosby talks about if she had her sight, she might begin to see the beauty in other things or beauty in herself and forget that God is more beautiful than any of that. She might begin to love other things more than she loves the Lord. And she didn't want that distraction. Paul in 2 Corinthians says that three times he pleaded with God to remove the thorn from his side. And if you look at that word thorn in the Greek, the way that it's written, it can mean a thorn, like a little thing that gets stuck in your foot, but it also can mean a literal stake. Yeah, a literal stake. And what does he later say? He said he asked God to remove this thing and God didn't. Why? So that Paul did not get prideful, that he didn't get puffed up. And what did he learn? He learned that God's grace is sufficient for him, that his power is made perfect in weakness. And so Paul was able to boast in weakness, in insult, in persecution, in hardship, for when he was weak, God was strong. And so what I wanna challenge you guys with is what obstacles in your life, what things in your life do you feel like are in front of you and are never gonna be moved and they need to get moved and they gotta get out of there are actually opportunities for you to look up and trust that God will provide, that God will sustain. What obstacles do you say that this is gonna stop me from being able to witness to people? And God is saying, actually, this is the exact thing that I'm gonna use This is the exact thing that you're gonna use to be able to tell people your story of how I love you. 
So as you guys go into small groups tonight, I have a couple of things that I want you guys to remember. Obviously, Jesus knows. So my challenge for you is if Jesus knows, what are you keeping from him yourself? What can you surrender over tonight? Jesus cares. Who can you care for like Jesus in your life? And Jesus calls us higher. Jesus calls us to stop sinning, to throw off every weight that so easily entangles us. So what obstacles in your life are actually opportunities? I'm gonna pray for us and then we'll be dismissed. Lord, I thank you for this night and I thank you for who you are. I pray that as we go to small groups, that you would challenge us, that you would convict us, that you would remind us that you are always there, that you love us and that you care for us. And that even when we are weak, you're stronger than we can ever imagine. Lord, I thank you for this night and I pray that you would bless it. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all are dismissed the small groups. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Student Ministry Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building His kingdom at therenovation.church.